Hey, what's going on, guys? This episode is a good one. Uh, we got Dimitri Love, who's the CEO of Bundle, who's going to be talking about entrepreneurship. He's going to be talking about his time on Shark Tank. He's going to be talking about cryptocurrency. Uh, it's a super informative and interesting uh, conversation. We had to really bend over backwards to get the audio quality working well, including a fire alarm that went off in the middle of the episode. Bear with me. You'll notice a little bit of a cut in the middle of the episode. Otherwise, enjoy. And as always, feel free to email me, Blake at goodadvicecoaching.com. Follow me on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and most of all, let me know what you thought of the episode. Appreciate you, and I'll catch you next week. What's up, everybody? This is Blake on the Blake This Podcast, and we got my man Dimitri Love here with us today. He is the CEO of Bundle. He's also been on Shark Tank, and he's going to be teaching us all about entrepreneurship, business. Uh, he's going to be talking a little bit about how he went from uh, being at the University of Arkansas to now being this awesome entrepreneur. Uh, Dimitri, I'm really excited to hear about your story a little bit. How's it going today? Pretty good, man. How are you doing? Man, I'm good. I'm really excited to have you on the show today. Yeah, I appreciate it. I'm glad to be here. So, Dimitri, for people who who don't know at all who you are, other than just like, you know, the classic 15-second rant I just gave about you, uh, give us like the one minute, you know, who is Dimitri Love? What do you do? Where do you live? You know, all that stuff. Yeah, so um, I guess I was previously a uh, software engineer from Fayetteville, Arkansas. Um, didn't start out that way. Thought I was going to be a doctor. Um, got into software engineering, development, UI, UX stuff, um, and kind of took it to the moon with this project. Um, so yeah, now I'm based in Dallas. Um, you know, I'm the CEO of Bundle, as you mentioned, and I've just been working on, you know, cool projects and trying to take it as far as I can. Yeah. So let's, let's go back then to, um, cause I, I love, <laughs> I love what you said about, you know, I was going to be a doctor and I think you were a biochem major. Yeah, right? I was biochemistry. Yeah. It, it kind of feels like this trend of people in college where, you know, you go to college and, and I'm not knocking college at all, but you know, you go to college and you dump all this money. And it's like, this is what I'm going to do. And then your life kind of, kind of pivots, right? Yep. And so like, what happened? Exactly. Like, how did you get into software? What, what happened there? Yeah. So, um, I played soccer, um, as you know, um, and I ended up tearing my ACL, MCL, and most of my meniscus in my left knee. Um, for most people that don't know, that's three of the five things that keep your knee on your leg. Um, one of those injuries will already, already. Not yeah. One of, yeah. One of them is already just like devastating. All three was interesting. Um, so yeah, I was, I was on crutches. Do what? Is this at the same time? All at the same time. Yeah. Within like, I mean, you know, a second. All yeah. I heard about, I think when it happened, I heard like four or five pops and I, I knew what happened. You know, I, I had shadowed enough doctors. I was actually shadowing an orthopedic surgeon at the time um, who did a lot of total knees, um, a lot of ACL reconstruction, total hips and all that stuff. Um, so I knew and I knew who to call and knew what to do. But yeah, dude, it was ridiculous. I tore it. Um, I was on crutches for nine months. Um, and then physical therapy for six months. Um, and you know, I'm kind of one of those dudes that is very active. Um, I can't just sit and, you know, stare at a TV and play video games for, you know, a year. Um, 
So luckily I had a, uh, a really good friend of mine who's actually the CTO of bundle now. Um, he was a computer science major at the university of Arkansas. Um, and he was like, you know, I'm learning how to code. You want to learn? And I said, yeah. So I kind of jumped in with him and I got pretty good and I thought about making it, uh, you know, a career, um, ended up getting an internship and I was off to the races. So what, what was the moment that you were kind of like, okay, you know what, I'm going to, you know, I've been in school with this super challenging major mm-hmm. and I'm actually going to make the switch away from that. I mean, what, what was the moment where you were like, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this and don't really know where it's going to end up. I was 21 years old, about to be 22. And I got a job offer for $80,000. So, <laughs> um, I love I was, it. You know, as soon as that happened, I was just like, Hmm, well, I could spend, six more years in medical school and rack up hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt or I can go make a really, really good salary um, and kind of pursue this. So that's what I chose to do. I actually didn't um, finish my degree. I have like, I think it's 18 hours left for biochemistry. So yeah. It's funny. I I guess people make it way too complicated when it comes to like, what do I do next? Yeah. Your story of like, well, this, this feels pretty good. So I guess I'm going to go with this. Yep. Exactly. Um, and I knew like, you know, I had kind of been on the, um, website development front a little bit with my uncle. He owned an agency at the time. Um, so I built like WordPress sites for him or Squarespace, Squarespace sites. Um, so I was already comfortable with software engineering. So I was just, you know, why not? Well, let's, let's talk cryptocurrency. Cause I know, yep. you know your path eventually led you to bundle. Yeah. Man, I'll be I'll be real direct. We got we got all sorts of listeners on this podcast, so I'm gonna bet about half of them don't even know what crypto is outside of of the craze from last year. Sure. Uh, we got another group of them who are like, you know, is that witchcraft? Like, what is? <laughs> what do we got yeah. here? And then you have another narrow band who are who are fully in on it, who are like, yes, this is where we're headed. This is where we're moving. You know, give. You know, because I'm sure you've had to not necessarily pitch crypto, but just really, oh yeah, as you're building users, you know, really boil it down to help yeah. them really understand what it is. You know, what's mm-hmm. your, what's your layman's terms? This is what crypto is, um, and I, I feel like even you could say it in the simplest way possible, and there's still going to be people who are going to be like, what? So, <laughs> you know, what's what's your take on this? So the way I like to explain it, um, I like to explain it in two fronts. So. Cryptocurrency as a whole is just like a digital stock. Um, so with stocks, you can go buy a stock, you pay, you know, $1,200 um, for Apple and you get shares in that company. You get share certificates in that company. Cryptocurrency is a digital stock in that you can buy it and trade it, um, but you don't have to buy the entire cryptocurrency all at once. So with stocks, you have to pay all $1,200 up front to get one share of that stock. With crypto, you can put a dollar in, five dollars, fifty cents, ten dollars, and then you can get a share of one whole crypto. Um, and I like to explain it like that because you know it's an investment vehicle like anything else. You know, a lot of people are hearing how people are becoming Bitcoin millionaires because they ended up, you know, they put two thousand dollars in back in twenty eleven or twenty ten and ended up with like five million dollars. Um, and you know, it's very volatile, um, but it acts just like a stock. Um, the other way I like to explain it is with Bitcoin specifically, which is the you know most famous cryptocurrency. Um, it's very much like gold. So it has value because we as humans say it has value. Um, you know, it doesn't necessarily provide, um, you know, an 
inherent technology output or it doesn't really, um, you know, provide a service, but it provides a way for you to control your money in a decentralized system. Um, and the more people that use it, the higher its value, just like gold. Hmm. So, yeah. so how did you get into crypto? What led the bundle? You know, what, what yeah. that like, um, so a few things, my uncle was a futures trader. So he was kind of in the finance realm. Um, and we we're actually working on a separate little business, um, right before this. Um, and I was trying to, trying to, uh, learn how to trade futures and, um, get into stocks and like, you know, make some money for myself now that I had this job. Um, and then I got into crypto, figured out what it was. Um, you know, I learned, like I dived into the code, like how to spin up a node and do all the nerdy stuff, like, you know, um, hardware wallets and software wallets and all the really nerdy stuff that you can get into. Um, and then my mom called me one day and asked me how to buy Bitcoin because it was going up. It was during the time of the boom. Um, and I explained to her, I was like, all right, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go create a Coinbase account. It's super easy. The UI is fantastic. Like I was going in, like I was super excited. Um, and I explained it all to her and she literally looked at me and was just like, I do not know what you're saying. Like you will have to show me step by step. And I was like, okay, you know, I kind of showed her and she still didn't get it. Um, so then I started thinking like, how can we make people that don't understand technology like we do um, to be able to invest in this, you know, digital asset class? Um, so I, then I started researching more investment strategies. I came across dollar cost averaging. Um, and then I finally came across roundups, which is an application of dollar cost averaging. Um, and I was like, okay, has someone applied this to crypto? Surely, because, you know, Acorns at the time was already booming. They had like 3 million users when I looked it up originally. Um, and then I saw that no one had done it yet. And I saw a massive, massive gap in the market. And I immediately called my uncle and I said, hey, we have to stop what we're doing right now and do this. And he was like, are you sure? And I said, yes. Um, so we stopped what we were doing and put all efforts on bundle. Well, so, so it's, it's a bit of an interesting story because like, what you're talking about, like the hard pivot, isn't uncommon in business where someone, you know, they're working on something and then it's like, oh, no, no, what we really need to work on yep. is this. But, exactly. but what, what happens a lot in business is people make that hard pivot and they're just kind of chasing a trend. You know, it's, it's the shiny object syndrome. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I don't know if you've ever reflected on this and thought about, okay, why did, how did we vet this or how did this work for me so well compared mm -hmm. to the other businesses who, they do pivot and yet they just never really build momentum for their business. I mean, what was the difference for you? So I saw cryptocurrency, blockchain, I saw the whole technology um, as a new dot-com boom. I knew it was gonna be integrated um, into our phones like Samsung. I knew it was gonna be integrated into our payment processing. Um, I knew the underlying technology was gonna be deeply integrated into our day-to-day -day life. Um, so whether, cryptocurrency as a whole stayed alive. I knew that, you know, if I could figure out some type of business model that could stay alive through its infancy, um, you know, kind of um, like some of the companies in the dot-com boom, they tried to figure out what company is going to stay alive while people slowly adopt the internet. You know, I, you know, adopted the same philosophy. I wanted to figure out something that could stay alive, serve a purpose um, and really help, you know, increase that mass adoption. Um, so that was kind of my sticking point on why I chose to go towards, you know, this business model, this space, um, because I know it's going to be around forever. Yeah. So, so what's, I mean, what's the, 
And, and for people who, and I assume everyone is, is pretty, especially familiar with like the last year of Bitcoin, but mm-hmm. you know, we had this sort of like astronomical uh, growth that happened in, mm-hmm. I guess, December uh, 2017 and all the way into the start of January. Yep. And I remember I had like five or six friends just like you who were like, Blake, you got to show me how to get into Bitcoin. Yep. And I'm like, well, you know, don't get on Coinbase, you know, get on Binance and then, you know, yep. here's you got to set up your key and don't lose that. And you got to buy, yeah. buy it here, then send it to Binance. Cause you, cause they were trying to buy like uh, different, you know, other coins other than Bitcoin that weren't on Coinbase. Yep. And so like, you know, I, there was such a complicated process, but I feel like I also now have people who are like, Blake, I'm never going to you for <laughs> an idea ever again, because I had one guy who he, he dropped like 10 grand on his first day. And I was like, you know, bro, you got to, do a little slower than that. And he just yep. kept, kept putting money into it. And then as we know, we're in a pretty heavy bear market now, exactly. uh, maybe towards the end of it. I'm not sure. It seems like every day everyone's like, this is the end. And then it you know, continues. But um, you know, what's, what, what are the biggest barriers in your mind in terms of future adoption? So that's an interesting question. So I think most of the barriers that I would have spoken on are over with. Um, we really needed institutional um, investors, just big institutions to hop on board, whether that be uh, Bank of America. They're training their um, employees on cryptocurrency right now. IBM, they're introducing um, blockchain into their um, technology stack. Starbucks, they're introducing you know, Bitcoin payments into their stores. So we really needed these huge players in the space um, that have a lot of weight on where the world is going to say, hey, crypto is okay. Um, and I think that's already happened. Um, and one of the reasons, so you mentioned, you know, that inherent risk of putting $10,000 in and then immediately going into a bear market and losing it all. Um, <laughs> one of the reasons why I built Bundle is because we wanted to provide a low risk, easy barrier to entry for people that either want to have high risk mitigation or are just don't know what to do and don't know how much money to put in. Um, so the way bundle works is you put in small amounts over time and you basically ride the wave of the market. So if you had started in, you know, 2012, you'd have thousands and thousands of dollars by now, um, just because you're riding the initial wave of the market trend instead of like riding the wave of like individual volatility trends where you'll put in 10 grand and then immediately drop down. Now you got to wait until it goes back up so you can recoup your money. Um, hopefully he stayed in if it dropped down that much, but you know. Yeah, I, I think he got so low that he was like, there's no point. No. I, I have weak hands, so I sold I sold much earlier in the bear market. Really? Uh, oh. I was starting business, so I needed the cash. Yeah, so true. Like, uh, but uh, my brother's been heavily in it since, I think, mm-hmm. 2011. He helps run the Bitcoin.org site. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I actually had 11 Bitcoin back in 2012. 11? Wow. Uh, and I, I sold it for like 130 bucks or something. Oh. So, you know, it's one of those things. Everyone has their story. It's like, yep. oh, gosh, you know, what could I have done with it? But, you exactly. know, the way it goes, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's like also a big issue. And, and it feels like this isn't so much the case now as it was maybe a year ago. Mm-hmm. It felt like there were, you know, anywhere you looked in the cryptocurrency space, there was a new company introducing their new uh, blockchain, coin, whatever. Yep. And even to the point where you had so many companies that that were redundant. I mean, they yep. they weren't offering, 
You know, I, in fact, I was actually working as a consultant for one of those coins and, oh, wow. uh, every, every like unique property of their coin was already being done by another major coin. So like they were, for example, they were like, you know, we want to be a fast coin. And I was like, well, yeah. you know, you already have back then it was rye blocks. Uh, yep. I can't think of what it's called now nano, yep. you know, someone's already doing that. So what is, you know, what we want to do supply chain. Well, like, you know, there's a lot of supply chain coins. We want to be the privacy coin. Well, yeah. you got Monero, you got all these other coins. And exactly. so it felt like a lot of people weren't, it's kind of like with entrepreneurship and business, you know, a business won't be successful unless you're solving a, a unique problem. Mm -hmm. It kind of felt like we had all of these companies who were sort of trying to just ride the wave of cryptocurrency. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, in, in regards to bundle, you know, we kind of felt that way as well. We had, so once we launched our product, we were the very last one to launch. We actually launched with around nine competitors. Um, so when we launched, we were like, what the heck, how are we going to compete with like nine different companies trying to do the exact same thing? Um, and luckily we had the, the fortune of being able to learn from their mistakes. A lot of them shut down due to regulatory issues um, and, you know, a lot of different issues that allowed us to structure our business the same way. Um, and I think that's what's happening with some of these coins that are trying to duplicate, you know, different features. Like the ones that come later and learn from all of the mistakes of the other ones are going to prosper because they're going to see like, hey, these guys didn't work out because they ran an ICO and they didn't do it right now. The SEC is on them or um, these guys didn't work out because they're not handling, I don't know, some, some, KYC or AML or something just random um, that they might have not thought of, but we get an edge on it because we get to see it um, after it's happened. Um, so I think that's what's going to happen with most of the coins. And that's definitely what happened um, in our space as, you know, we shut down all nine of those competitors. I'm very proud to say. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, so once you started building uh, traction for mm -hmm. Bundle, what was the process? Because it was so funny, man, because I hadn't talked to you in a few years. And then suddenly, like, I'm going to be on Shark Tank tomorrow. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> I remember I tuned into the episode and I saw you on there. And I, yep. I thought you did a great job, man. I, yeah, you know, I appreciate I, it. And I know they, they, um, did, I know what, you're, you're in the room a lot longer than what they show. Yeah. But, you know, I, it, it felt like, you know, you see some people on there that you're just like, dude, you know, you did not prep. <laughs> But yeah. I really felt like you did a great job. I was really happy for you that you got an offer. Yep. What, what was the buildup to being on Shark Tank? Uh, you know, what was that process that, that got you to being in that room? So a few things that, it, there's a few things that are very interesting. So first of all, we didn't apply to be on Shark Tank. Um, they called us. Mm. So I had no interest in Shark Tank originally. I, I thought I was going to go through the traditional VC process, which I am now. Um, so we launched, um, just an MVP. We had about a thousand users. Um, we used Coinbase for our MVP. Um, yeah, how did you get those users? Just friends, family, just asking people like, Hey, you want to, you want to try this app? Yeah. Um, you know, like, yeah, just like grassroots, you know, door to door knocking. Hey, you want to try my app out? Um, yeah. yeah. Well, um, I love that. Cause I feel like some people make the MVP process and especially like getting your first users. I feel like mm -hmm. they make super complicated and like you call it a grassroots effort but in my mind it's like it's like yeah that's the simplest way to do it i mean that's what yeah. makes yeah i encourage so 
we had a we had a lot of fortune and a lot of misfortune, and I'll kind of explain that throughout the process. So, um, whenever you're building a startup, you don't want to put too much effort, too much money, too much anything until you validate your idea. Sorry about that. Um, like you want to validate your idea. Um, because if you don't validate your idea and you spend all this money building this MVP and then find out people don't want it, you're done. Like that's it. Um, so what we did, well, I was going to say, I've seen people actually talk to a guy who they had burned through like 75 grand. Oh yeah. Idea. They've been, they've been working on their MVP for like a year and a half. And I kid you not. He said, well, that's VC money. That's not my money. And I was like, wow. I mean, well, Hey, you know, with, Second time founders, third time founders, they get funded for anything. So I don't blame them. You know, if you're trying to pursue something that you think might work and you have some people that will back you with capital just to see, sure. Um, because, you know, if you have millions and millions of dollars, 75 grand is just kind of a stab in the dark for you. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you might lose it. You might, you might make some money off it. Like, cool. Um, but, you know, we were bootstrapped all the way. At, we're still bootstrapped, actually. Um, we're in a current raise right now. Um, but from start to right now, we're still bootstrapped. Um, and if you're doing that, you really want to just really make sure you're, um, cost effective because development can get wildly expensive. Luckily I was a software engineer, my CTO, software engineer. Um, one of my other co-founders is a really, really good designer. Um, so we were just kind of stacked to the teeth with, um, a very talented team, but yeah, so we designed it out, built the MVP um, we launched and the day after we launched, uh, we had got, we had done some, like, like I said, grassroots efforts. We'd gotten on Reddit. We'd gotten on Quora. Um, we launched on product hunt. Um, and the next day, um, an associate producer from shark tank called me and was like, Hey man, you know, I saw your launch. I looked into your idea. We want you on the show. And I was like, all right, sweet. Sure. So we were actually at the very end of the application process. Um, so he was like, you have two weeks. You need to send me a pitch video and fill out this giant stack of paperwork because I'm going to send you straight to the table of ABC and Sony um, so they can make a decision because you'll be coming out to film in like a month. So like you gotta, we got we to gotta go. Um, so I did that. And, you know, I didn't hear from him for about a week and a half. Like I was like, all right, you know, whatever. They might have not chosen us, whichever. Um, and then I remember the day I got the email. Um, I was sitting in a coffee shop. I saw my phone go off and it said, you know, from ABC, CNBC or like whatever it said. I forgot what it said. It was like ABC, CNBC and someone else in the title. And it says, the first line was like, you're coming out to LA. And I lost my mind. I called my <laughs> uncle, called my mom. I was like, yo. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that was pretty awesome. Um, and then once the hype kind of rolled down, I was like, okay, we have no time to prepare. So we got to like start working. Um, so what they do is they assign you a team of producers. Um, they help you with the pitch. Um, they help you with your presentation, like the props and stuff that you see on the show. Um, but that's all before you even get there. So they, they start doing this like a month or so in advance. I was kind of on the very tail end. So I didn't have much time to prepare. Most people have, you know, four to six months um, because they start casting. Like they're casting right now. Um, I think the last casting is in like two weeks. Um, for next season that's going to air next fall. So they're like, are, they're already casting for next year. Um, so with that, you know, it's very difficult to kind of run your business, make sure you can prepare for all of the traffic, 
um, and make sure that, you know, you have a killer pitch all at once. So we were kind of just pick and choosing what we were doing. Um, and yeah, I mean, we launched that, uh, MVP and got on Shark Tank with it. Um, you want me to explain like more about Shark Tank? Or yeah, well, what's it like, uh, being in the room? I mean, I'm okay, a, yeah. we can I'm a UGA fan. I love Mark Cuban. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know if there's like a level of like being starstruck or, cause it's like the ultimate pitch, right? I mean, you have these yep. people who are, I mean, and also just like the, the aura of the show. I mean, you know, everyone's, you're on TV being like analyzed and judged by, <laughs> you know, exactly. thousands of people. You know, what, what was it like actually being in the room? So it was a very interesting experience. So what they do is they allow you to have a practice run. So once you get there, I was there for about a week and a half. They put you up in a hotel. They give you, they pay for everything. They give you a stipend, like they give you like 75 bucks a day or something. Um, and we get to go practice. So we got to go to the set kind of walk. There's like a little waiting room right before the hallway. So you got to go in the waiting room, see where you're going to wait and stand and then walk down the big hallway, you know, where they open up the doors and look at you. And then you got to go see the main set. Um, and during the first practice run, that was kind of where all of like the nerves and the bearings went away because you, you get to feel comfortable. Like they let you like, we had a solid, like it was like 30 minutes to an hour, like just to just walk and like be there and like stand and just like look and, you know, I, tur- I, what I did, I made sure like, I was like, all right, I need to look at everything humanly possible. I need to go be in every place humanly possible so that I feel comfortable. Um, and that's what I did. And so once we got to the real pitch day, you know, I walked out, um, I felt very confident. Um, I will tell you, so most people haven't seen the show yet. Um, you know, maybe they have, maybe they haven't. Um, I actually messed up my pitch, which I know, you know, um, and that was due to a very specific reason. So my producers actually changed one of my lines, um, on my pitch. So it's like a very scripted pitch. Um, they changed one of my lines. Um, and I, you know, I rehearsed it and I thought I was good. Um, and in the midst of, I don't want to ruin it for everybody, but in the midst of kind of drawing on the whiteboard and, you know, going through what I was going to say, I forgot that line and I froze. Um, and I didn't know what to say because what they tell you once you get out there is you're not allowed to start over. Like once you start, like you go, like you're going. And I stopped cause I was like, okay, I know this isn't live, but you told me not to start over. So what the heck do I do? Um, and then the guy finally came up and told me, he was like, Hey, like, this is your line. And I was like, thanks. So then I finished perfectly fine. Um, and like during that, like you saw that, um, on the show, like Kevin was like, this is the biggest moment of your life. Like, you know, just take a deep breath. Yeah. That was, yeah. Um, unfortunately they made it seem a lot more drastic than it actually was. So that interaction, um, was two whole hours. Um, so I was in there for quite a while. Yeah. And you know, they cut and piece some of the stuff together to make it seem more dramatic. That's, that's, that's TV. That's how it always happens. Um, but what I love telling people is like, the interaction from me to the sharks is all completely genuine. They didn't know anything about me. They'd never seen me before. They'd never seen the company. Like once I get in there, they're like, all right, what the heck is this? So that's really cool. I actually didn't, I thought they might've done like a little research so they can be prepared to, you know, do TV stuff, but no, it's like really genuine. So I thought that was really cool. Um, wasn't starstruck at all. I was very surprised that Mark Cuban is like massive. Like he's huge. Like he's like six, four, which I did not know. Yeah. Either. Um, so other than that, I was just like, all right, you know, let's get it done. 
Well, I'm going to go ahead and ruin the show for people who haven't seen it yet. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's fine. That's so, fine. I think something that was interesting to me on, on the episode was, you know, you get an offer and you, you can just see it on your face that you feel this hesitation, mm-hmm. right? And I think even online where Mark Cuban's kind of not, not pushing you, but just, just saying, you know, kind of encouraging you to take the deal and saying, mm-hmm. you know, that's a good deal, you know? And, and, you know, what, what was the big hesitation? Was it, was it the equity amount or, you know? Oh yeah, it was the equity amount. So luckily from my perspective, I knew that the, it was subject to due diligence on both sides, right? So once we do a deal, shake hands, we're both allowed to look into each other and decide whether the deal is going to go through afterward. Um, however, you know, once you shake hands, it is still a commitment and an intent to do that deal. So I was, it was, I'm a very thoughtful person and I like, you know, weigh my actions very carefully usually. And I knew that my words, the next words that I say are either going to give up half of my company or not. Um, and I didn't, you know, Kevin wouldn't allow me, you didn't see this on the show, I don't think, but Kevin asked to talk to my uh, co-founder who was actually on the line waiting and he said, no. Um, and he was like, you know, you're the CEO, you need to make the decision. And I was like, well, <laughs> like, can't do me like that. And then I tried to haggle with him. Like I, I was about to say like, well, would you take, and I said those words and then he cut me off and he was like, no, I won't take any less. Like that's the only deal I have for you. And I was just like, well, dang. So that's where all that hesitation came from because it was just like 50% of the company. Like that's a yeah. ton. Um, and ultimately I, I accepted, um, on the show, you know, I thought he could provide a fantastic value. Um, I asked him if he would give up, uh, any more capital. And his response was that he always takes care of his entrepreneurs. Um, so, you know, I felt pretty comfortable to take it. Um, and you saw kind of Damon kind of jeering, like after I left that I felt like my soul was crushed and that I was super upset, which was pretty funny, but yeah. Um, yeah. Did, did y'all end up working together or no? So okay. one of the things, a hundred thousand dollars for 50%, it's, you should, I, I couldn't do it. At that point, he's basically buying the IP of my company. I well, asked him, I was like, even astronomical in the VC world. Yes. An insane percent. Exactly. And I asked, I was, I asked three different things. I was like, will you dilute? Will you put in more capital or will you take less equity? Like you got three options. You can do it any way you want, but we got to do something or we can't do anything else. Like we're stuck to you. And if we don't work out with this hundred thousand dollars, it's over for us. Um, and right. he understood that. And he was like, I understand, but in order to give you the attention that I know you need from me, I have to have 50%. And I also don't want to give you more than $100,000. That's where I'm at. And I was just like, well, will you do it? I asked him again, like, you know, can you do it? And this exchange went over, it was like a month or two. Um, and he was just like, yeah, like, I really can't. Like, that's the only offer. Um, so I went back with my team and I was like, hey, like, what do we do? Do we say no? Do we, do we back out? Like, do we take it? Like, what do we do? Um, and we took a vote and the vote was unanimously don't take it. Um, so I went back to him and I was like, Hey, like we can't do it. Like we just can't. Um, and at that, we had already been exploring kind of other options, um, trying to do a traditional raise as well. Um, and once we said no, it's kind of like the best decision I've ever made. I think because like two weeks later we got accepted into capital factory. So, yeah. Um, it was hard because it was hard having to like, you know, 
tell my family, I was like, Hey, like, you know, did you do the deal? Like, you know, what's going on? Can you tell us yet? And I was like, well, no, I said no. And then they're all thinking I was like a maniac. And then I had to explain it, you know, to them, like it didn't make any sense. And yeah. So, well, it, it says a lot about your, um, and I, and I don't, this obviously speaks to you and your team, but it says a lot about just the idea you created, you know, from, from idea to MVP to, to have them call you. Mm-hmm. And then uh, obviously you felt comfortable enough about your future to be able to say, ultimately to say no. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like American Idol a little bit on Shark yeah. Tank. People yeah. on there that you're like, dude, like, how did you even get on this show? Yeah, exactly. Like, you mentioned the casting call. I know we just had a casting call here in Northwest Arkansas. Yep, and- I was there. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. You just know there had to be like, you know, every like eighth person has like some just crazy idea that you're just like, man, you don't have any legs at all to stand on for this exactly. idea. Yeah. And it, it actually makes me want to segue our conversation a little bit. And I want to talk a little bit about entrepreneurship. Okay. And, and especially, you know, I don't know if you call yourself an entrepreneur. I, I view you as an entrepreneur. Um, entrepreneurship's really funny to me, especially lately as I've been talking to a lot of younger people who, as they're either going into college or they're coming out of college, they're saying things like, well, I want to be an entrepreneur. And it's like, well, what, what does that mean? Right. And like, it's kind of reminds me of when I was a teacher in Houston, I'd ask my kids, you know, what do you want to, what do you want to be when you grow up? Cause it was kind of like, you're trying to kind of like motivate them and you'd have a kid to be like, well, I want to play in the NBA. And it's like, yeah, that sounds awesome. But like, <laughs> what does that actually mean for you? Or, or another example I think of is I talk to a lot of young guys who they're like, well, I want to be a professional gamer. And it's like, it's like, okay, let's, and I see entrepreneurs kind of the same, like sexy, you know, yeah, I just love the idea of getting up when I want to and being my own boss. And, and, you know, talk a little bit about your experience as an entrepreneur. I mean, what, does that match the, the sexy title that people ascribe to or, or what does it look like? Not at all. Um, one thing that I always, always, always tell aspiring entrepreneurs is that it is the hardest thing you'll ever do. Um, you know, it looks easy. It looks like I'm having fun all the time. It looks like, you know, I get to do whatever I want. But in reality, you know, I make huge sacrifices. Like, you know, my girlfriend and her daughter, I don't spend as much time with them as I should because. I'm working. I'm always working. You know, I'm up till 2am working, you know, um, she works. I don't get to see her that much. I cook her dinner, say hi, and then I'm working. Um, you know, I have to sacrifice being able to have stable income. You know, I do some consulting on the side, do some web development stuff just to kind of keep the bills on, but I can't say, Hey, I'm going to make this money next month. Cause I don't know. Um, and that's the risk that you have to take. And it's just, people need to understand that you really need to go all in and decide that, yes, like you might have a plan where you want to go. You might want to you know, go in this specific sector, but you can't just say like, oh, I want to be, you know, a professional gaming entrepreneur. Like you, what if you come up with something where you're selling something to gamers? You know, an entrepreneur has to be able to adapt. Um, and yes, you know, I want to focus on something that I enjoy and focus on a space that I love, but not just one particular like, you know, I'm only going to do this or nothing. That's not an entrepreneur to me. That's a career. You know, yeah. a career is I'm going to go do this one thing and that's it. Like that's, that's my thing. Like I'm going to do this one thing. Um, an entrepreneur is I have a vision to grow this space in its entirety 
in some way. How am I going to do that? That's how I view entrepreneurship. Yeah. What's been the hardest part about being an entrepreneur? Finances. Um, <laughs> just wildly, wildly fluctuating, you know, um, like we aired on Shark Tank and, you know, I'll be very, very candid. You know, we aired on Shark Tank and made, you know, a hundred grand in like a couple months, which is great. You know, that's, that's a good chunk of change. And then, you know, once we started, you know, we went, we exhibited at CES, we went to South by Southwest, um, we went to New York, Quebec. I mean, we were doing a lot of things to really get our name out there and establish a present in some of a presence in some of these fintech sectors for relationships in the future. Um, and then, you know, after you don't have a job for a while, it's just like, oh, wait, I have rent to pay or I have a dog to feed or I have, you know, a family to take care of. Like, what am I going to do? I can't just go get a job because if I put, you know, if they do any type of internet research, I'm like blasted on CNBC and Shark Tank and anything. So it's not like I can just go work somewhere. Um, so yeah, that's, that's been the most difficult part. And um, it's kind of like this weird middle ground of like, you know, I'm by no, I have by no means made it quote unquote. Um, you know, I'm not a millionaire. I don't I have like, I haven't sold this company and made like millions of dollars. I'm not chilling. You know, I'm still very much in work mode. And in a lot of ways, because I'm an entrepreneur that um, has so much visibility, I'm a lot of, in a lot of ways hindered financially, you know, like I can't go get a job. Like that's like the main thing. Like I can't go be safe. Like I have to just keep living in ambiguity and living and grinding and, you know, climbing up the wall until I make it. Um, well, I guess if you were like, you know, waiting tables, people would be like, they'd, they'd lose confidence. Exactly. Money, exactly. Know? Yeah. And I don't, you know, and I'm very candid with people like, you know, people always ask me like how I'm doing and I say, I'm doing great um, because I am, you know, I'm doing what I love to do. Um, I'm making what I want to make happen. Uh, but they need to understand that, you know, there's certain things that I can't do, you know, one, you know, my girlfriend and I, for example, we started dating um, about seven months ago. Um, and she was just like, you know, so why can't you just go get a job? Like you had these jobs, like making all this money, you know, you have this specific skill set that everybody needs. Like, why can't you go do that? And I tell her every single time, like I'm, I lead my company. If I can't charge into the war and put my sword first for the company, who else is going to do it? You know, if I go get a job and play the safe route, Everybody else is going to go get a job and play the safe route, you know? Um, and she understood. So, yeah, it's just, well, it's, it's, it's tough. I mean, I, yeah. I had a, I remember of December of last, this past December, I had a really good month. And then January was like non-existent. Yep. I remember <laughs> being like, wait, what, ha what just happened? Cause yeah, like in December, exactly. it's like, dude, this thing works, you know? And you start to think about like all the opportunities that are going to open up for you. Yep. And then January, you know, hits you like a ton of bricks. And then now you're back to like, what am I doing? And like, how do I take care of myself? And yep. my wife is like, you know, it's like, what are you doing? Like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, and actually she has, she has her own business. So really I'm just taking her money. <laughs> yeah. You know, she's yeah. like paid back, but yeah. So what keeps you positive? I mean, what keeps you, cause you know, I think, you spend one day on like, I'm, so I'm on Reddit a lot. I'm on like the entrepreneurship subreddit. And, you know, you have a lot of people who are kind of at the end of their rope in terms of, you know, they started something, they started a business or they, you know, they pursued some kind of dream and they didn't pan out. They're kind of just like looking for any kind of encouragement, you know, on your darkest days, how do you stay motivated? How do you stay positive? What does that look like? So I like to, 
I like to do something called self-building. Um, and what I mean by self-building is, you know, I don't want to attribute it to selfishness, but sometimes you really need to carve out daily or, you know, as much as you possibly can daily, something for yourself, like something like, Hey, this was the fruits of my labor. It might be big. It might be small. It might be having, you know, a little bit of a fancy bourbon. Like I like to drink bourbon. So like, I'll have a little bit of a fancy bourbon. Like, I right, sweet. This is my reward. Good job, Dimitri. Thanks for working hard. Or I might go to Las Vegas and exhibit at the biggest, you know, consumer electronic show in the world and meet all of these cool people and, you know, talk to celebrities and like do all these cool things. I'm like, okay, cool. You're doing this thing. Like this is your reward. Um, and I really like make sure that I have something that's like building myself, like have something for myself, whatever it might be. It might be time to myself. It might be indulging in something that I might like. Um, it just, it's something for me, whether it's big or small. Um, and I think that's really, really huge. Um, you know, personally, I also have a very strong faith. Um, so that's kind of one of the things that keeps me going as well. Um, but kind of day to day, just like, you know, what am I going to do to encourage myself? Um, that self building is a big thing. And then the second thing, surrounding yourself with people that support you, like with what you do is immeasurably important. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've seen people that want to be entrepreneurs or want to do something um, for themselves or do something for the world, but their wife or their mother or their friend or like whoever just puts them down saying like, no, you're not going to do that. You're going to waste your money or you're going to fail or like just negativity, which I understand the fear. I understand like the skepticism, um, but you need someone that like will support you like through the mud, you know, um, <laughs> like really like, you're dragging yeah. through the mud. You need someone to say like, no, nah, keep going. You'll be all right. Yeah. You know, keep putting your face in the mud. You'll be all right. Like you really need those people yeah. um, because if you don't have those people. You know, you, you just kind of like start to doubt yourself. Like, man, like, am I doing this? Like, should I stop doing this? Should I just go get a job like every other normal human being in the world? Or, you know, like, what should I do? So you, I, I, I really value you surrounding yourself with good people that do what you do, support you with what you do. Um, and as well as that self-building. Yeah. And I, I love what you said about the self-building because we, I don't know if it's like American culture or really what it is, but like you, you, you meet people sometimes who like haven't taken any time for themselves in like eight years. And it's like, man, <laughs> like totally burned out. Right. Yeah, and it's exactly. Like, I love, you know, I don't think it's selfishness. I, I think, I think some people would, would, it would blow their mind to even think about how do I take time for myself every day? Mm -hmm. But I think you're spot on in recognizing that's the fuel you need to actually, you know, bring your best game the next day. Yeah. I mean, cause if you, like, if you start, like, I know myself, like I know if I go work a job, I'm going to hate it and I'm going to, my attitude is going to change. I'm not going to be happy. I'm just going to hate life. And I'm just going to be sitting there staring at a wall. Like, well, this sucks. Happy to be an adult. Sweet. Um, right. or, you know, I can try and do something that I think is great or put myself in a position to do something that I think is great. Um, and, you know, kind of take the hits day to day, but then, you know, kind of protect myself on a little wall for an hour or two and just say, Hey, Dimitri, this is your time. What are you going to do? You'll play Fortnite. You're going to have bourbon. You're going to watch YouTube. Like, what are you going to do? What, Fortnite your... and bourbon. There you go, man. Yeah. Um, you know, I like to play golf. That's one of the things that really relaxes me. Cause that's, 
it forces me to go get out and be with nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, because with golf, like you can't, you're not around like distractions. Like you're literally like in a field stuck doing a thing. Um, so one of that really, really helps me, helps me calm down, um, helps me think a lot. A lot of my best ideas kind of come on the golf course. So why do you feel like it's so hard for people to take time for themselves? I think, um, naturally as kind of, I mean, we're selfish creatures, but we're empathic creatures. And I think that the perception of you taking time for yourself is bad. Um, as people are looking in on it, like if they see like, Oh, he's just playing Fortnite all day or playing, you know, like going to get drunk all the time or going to play golf all the time and wasting money. Like that's what they see. But in reality, it might be more like, Oh, like I'm just this small portion of my day I'm spending for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that they don't want people to think of them like that. And you kind of just got to overcome what people think. Like, yeah, you, you gotta, I, you gotta do it. I think of it as like the George Costanza effect of, yeah. People haven't seen the Seinfeld, you know, he has this, this deal in one of the episodes where he just always looks busy. Mm. And so every time someone runs into him, you know, the way to be more successful at work is he realizes as long as I look busy, people will admire me and they'll, they'll, you know, promote me. And, and I think we kind of take that George Costanza approach to life. Of, mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like when you, you hang out with someone, you say, man, how you doing? They go, man, been, been busy. Right. And it's like, yeah, yeah busy. Everyone's busy, right? And so, exactly. like, you know, how do we move past that kind of show, you know, and actually, you know, take the time we need? Uh, because, again, you know, to have the impact we want to make, we have to actually be able to recharge the batteries and to do the things that really make us happy and restore us. So. Exactly. Exactly. I completely agree. So, so moving on, on from this, what, what's next for Bundle? What's next for you? I mean, what's, mm-hmm. what does the future look like? Yeah, so we are about to launch Bundle 2.0. So um, a little bit about what happened. So I mentioned we launched that MVP, right? Um, We grew way too fast. Um, You know, it was literally just like, hey, we want to prove the market. We want to make sure this thing is something people want, and then we can dump money into it. Instead of, you know, that normal process, which normal people go through, you know, we got on Shark Tank. We were in front of 4 million people. Um, and then we started getting thousands and thousands of users, which was great. Um, but the system wasn't ready for that in a few ways. So our code base was solid. We did everything that we could to make sure it was rock solid um, and can handle massive amounts of traffic. Um, one of our Achilles heels right now, uh, or I guess was uh, Coinbase. So Coinbase's API is a little, a little sketchy, I will say. Um, and an API is just an application programming interface for people that don't know that. Um, it's a way you can kind of connect to, um, you know, any type of, you know, business entity, any type of uh, enterprise software. Um, so we use that um, and gave us some problems as well as they charge 10% on their transactions. So that gave us some problems because when you're rounding up small amounts of money, 10% is like a ton. Um, so those are big things that we had to solve. Um, and we had some UI problems as well. So we got some negative-ish feedback where it's about 50-50 good, 50-50 like, hey, this thing sucks. Um, and we really responded to everyone saying like, hey, like we understand. Yeah. We just, we grew too fast. Like we like you saw, like you saw us on Shark Tank. Like, yeah, we just grew too fast. We're working on it. Well, um, and I, I, I downloaded the app because I wanted to check it out before you came on. And I yeah. saw that, you know, you have, you have some five stars, four stars, and you got a handful of one stars and yeah. they all have 
consistent theme. Yep. Uh, this wasn't working, and it all all of it all of it screams uh, growth at a pace you weren't ready for. Exactly. Right? And it's just kind of the natural um, outcome of your you know quote success on yeah. Shark. Yeah, and you know it's very good because you know some of the most successful companies started out that way. So Instagram, for example, started out that way. They built this app and I'm like, all right, sweet, everybody go use it. And then everybody used it and they're like, man, this thing sucks. And they told them like, this thing sucks. Um, yeah, yeah. So Instagram was like, okay, we'll make it better. And they came back, they made it better, and now they're one of the biggest platforms ever. Um, so with us, we're launching Bundle 2.0. We brought every single thing we possibly could in house. Um, so we don't have to, you know, depend on third-party technology um, because one of the last issue with Coinbase is that some banks um, won't allow Coinbase transactions to go through, um, like the big four, like Wells Fargo, Chase, Bank of America, Capital One. Mm-hmm. Because of that, it renders our app useless. Like we can't. I, do I had to open a credit union account. Exactly. That was Bank of America. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. So because of that. Um, we had to figure something out. So, you know, we actually partnered um, with an exchange that allows us to do custodial accounts. Um, We partnered with a bank. Um, We actually have another strategic partnership with a wallet that's going to allow us to have every single coin anybody ever wants. Um, I think we're launching with like all ERC-20 coins, um, Bitcoin, XRP. um, What else do we have? I think like Maybe Monero, um, maybe Stellar. I don't don't remember. There's a whole list that I didn't read because it was like a bunch of them. Um, but we're launching with way more coins. Um, and we're also adding more features to, um, increase mass adoption. So like, you know, we're trying to put our best foot forward, like, Hey, we fixed everything for you. It's going to work solidly. You'll never have to worry again. Also for people that are still scared of cryptocurrency here, we have something for you. And what that something is, is we're adding, um, spare change into savings accounts. So we want to round your spare change into a savings account and earn you 1.5% 1.5% interest, you know, maybe 1% interest, something like that. Um, just so the people that are a little skeptical on investing into a volatile asset can invest in something that they know and that's very stable. Um, well, what a great idea for how to warm people up and yeah. become users, even if they aren't ready to, you know, invest. Exactly. You know, it's a great idea. Exactly. Yeah. Um, we, we just wanted to kind of make amends for, you know, our growth, <laughs> even though it wasn't necessarily our fault. Um, yeah, yeah. But we just want to make amends um, and say like, hey, like we understand it was broken. You know, we get it. It's frustrating. Here's what we've done. Here's what we're going to do. You know, come back. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've really like our community is very, very loyal. They're just like, hey, like we don't care. We just want it to work. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not, you know, burn them once and they're never coming back. Um, so I think we're very blessed with in that aspect that we're not just going to die. Um, when we relaunch, but yeah, that's coming in, uh, four weeks and we're super, super excited because the UI is like ridiculous. Like we had a really good UI before, but this new one is like, yeah. And I, I I, it's going to sound so mean, but I, as I was opening the app, I thought to myself, you know, okay, I wonder what, what he's put together in terms of like user experience and UI. And I I actually was pretty impressed. I thought this is awesome. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, so we, one of the things that we saw with our competitors, how I mentioned before, um, we kind of grew alongside competitors and saw what they were doing wrong, you know, and their MVPs, they were just like garbage UI. Like it was literally like click this button and then link your bank account and then it works. Like we're not going to show you it works, but it works. I promise. 
Mm-hmm. And we're just like, well, we, you need to show them like something. It needs to look good and look like, you know, you can trust this app. And that's one of the reasons why we got on Shark Tank. Um, the producer said like your app was the most beautiful, the most easy to understand and look like you were just doing something. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't just like some guy in his basement coded out this app and sent it out to people. Um, it was like, you have a team, you have people really thinking this through and trying to be behind it. So, yeah. Mm. So the next big release is in four weeks. Yeah. June 1st. Okay, cool. June 1st is the hard date. You must be a busy man. Yeah. Yeah. So luckily I have most of my, um, my job right now is, um, working on the fundraising front as pretty much every other CEO does. Um, you know, I have a CTO that's handling all the technology, uh, a VP of tech that's assisting him and they're working with all the developers, um, chief marketing officers, creating all the marketing plans and, um, our marketing strategy and, um, our campaigns and all that stuff. Um, so I'm kind of just more focusing on keeping everything alive and coming up with ideas when they ask me questions. Yeah. And hopefully answering the right, giving the right answers. Ah, yeah, I hope so. I hope so. So I don't know if you're allowed to say, but is there a coin that you're high on Ooh. or a top technically, three? Technically, I'm not allowed to say because I can't give investment advice, but okay. if I were to point towards some coins to check out the technology of, I'm doing yeah, let's talk technology. I'm, I'm really yeah. to learn about a few of these coins. Yeah. So everyone's kind of like half golden child ripple is one of my favorites. So one of the reasons is I don't think cryptocurrency as a currency is ever going to work. Hmm. Um, I think, you know, even if they solve the volatility, it's going to be very hard to make it a full asset where you can lend it out, where you can put loans on it, um, where you can put interest on it. Um, you know, if they do, it's going to be more like a stable coin, which is, backed by something and that's still just regular money. It's just digital regular money. And we already have that. Um, I don't think cryptocurrency as a cryptocurrency is going to be money that we use. However, I think Ripple, um, where they're trying to be the digital currency of the world, I think they are going to be very successful and I I really love what they're doing. Um, Another one that I've looked into a little bit um, is BAT coin, basic attention token. Um, I've seen some very, very decent uh, growth. If you guys want to go kind of look at that. Um, I'm trying to stay away from certain terms here because investment advice, but um, yeah, yeah, BAT token or basic attention token is good. Um, Stellar, Monero, like all the main, like good golden boys, they're always good. Um, and I do like Ethereum a lot. Ethereum is very practical. Their network is very practical. Um, Does it feel like, um, you know, obviously the, you know, separate from like the adoption conversation, mm-hmm. does it feel like the fanfare is, it's a little too much sometimes? And here's what I mean by this is there's, and you even you even see the memes of like, um, like Hopium or Hopium coin or you know, people <laughs> are talking about, you know, they're yeah. just, maybe it's too harsh to say delusional, but it's, 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 it's delusion. It's, it's, you know, it's, you see people who've made it because they invested years ago Mm -hmm. and they, and actually, honestly, I see the same thing in the digital market space with 
uh, a lot of these, uh, and I mean, I'll just be real candid, the Ty Lopez and the Grant Cardone, yep. these gurus who are yep. selling, you know, Hey, if you buy my course, if you work with me, I'll make you a millionaire. And it's exactly. those are very similar to me in that people, it feels like are, are everyone's kind of looking for that thing that will make them uber successful. Uh, and it feels like crypto has had its season of a lot of people, because like, I even remember being at the doctor and hearing the nurses talk about crypto. And that was back in December where I thought, man, this, maybe this is a bad sign. Like, <laughs> Exactly. Are- yeah, I think um, it's hard. I, I agree with a little bit of the delusion, but at the same time, Bitcoin has no practical value at all. It does nothing. Like, Bitcoin on its face does nothing. It's slow. Um, like there's literally every you. There's a reason to use every single other, almost every single other coin other than Bitcoin. Yet it's the best performing asset class like ever. One of the best performing asset classes asset classes ever. So, or at least in the last five years. But it's just one of those things. Like yeah, if you get a random coin like Hopium or Dogecoin or something that people just <laughs> like really really love, yeah. you know. I mean, what can you do about it? If people start pumping money into it and the price goes up and the market cap is the biggest ever and it gets all the publicity, I mean, it's, it's something. It's alive. It's just like gold like you know, or diamonds. Like diamonds, there's so many diamonds in the world. Diamonds probably have no value at all. Like if we got all of the diamonds together, there would be so many that we could give every single person like 50 carats and like still have a giant mound of them. So they're useless. But at the same time, we think they're pretty. So... Mm-hmm. We put massive value on them for no reason. Um, and I think that could happen with any other coin, just depending on maybe marketing, maybe, you know, luck, um, you know? Yeah. All right, cool. Well, uh, the only last question I have for you is just asking about, you know, when you think about uh, your entrepreneurial journey, obviously right now you're fully engaged with Bundle, uh, yep. but you kind of, you've jumped both feet, I mean, whole body, basically, you're submerged in this entrepreneurial lifestyle, really the startup lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Long-term, 10, 20, 30 years down the road, what do you hope is true about you? I hope that I have created and will be continued to creating really cool things. So one of the things that makes me really happy is just thinking of stuff and building it. Um, I have ideas like, all the time. You know, I'm one of those people that their mind just races all the time. Um, you know, I'm, I came up with an idea literally just sitting on my porch working for no reason. Like I just thought like, Hey, this would be great. And you know, I told my aunt about it. She thought it was amazing. Um, and she ended up winning a pitch competition with it. So it's just one of those things. It's just like, I have so many things that I would love to do. Um, so many ways I would want to change the world, so many ways to make things better. You know, I just want to be able to create and like build cool things, um, whether that translates into millions of dollars of profit or it translates into millions of dollars of losses. Like as long as I'm not dying, I think me creating the thing is, you know, where my value is. Yeah. And it sounds like you have really great people in your corner who are also kind of entrepreneurial. I mean, you mentioned your uncle, you mentioned your mm-hmm. aunt, you know, people who can, I, I guess, you know, I use that expression, stay in your corner, but who can really keep you centered and encourage you, especially on those tough days. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, my biggest encourager is my girlfriend. Um, she supports everything I do probably to a detriment. Um, cause you know, supporting an entrepreneur is like, 
hey, you know, what are we, what we basically going to put us in debt for this thing? Like, is this smart? And, yeah. you know, I'm like, no, but I think it might be smart, you know? Yeah. Um, and having people that support you like that is awesome. You know, my uncle's very supportive as well. Um, now my family is more or less supportive. You know, once, once you're on TV, it's kind of a different tone. You know, I can say like, Hey, like I'm doing something. Some people, 4 million people think I'm doing something. So, you know, um, well, it's, it's tough. I think even people who know you, cause I even, whenever I left my old job, salary job, great job to start my own company, I had people really close to me who were like, some were like, oh, that's awesome. But then some were like, oh, Blake, what are you doing? Like, we're very open. Like, what are you doing, man? And so, you know, I, exactly. until you have that moment of credibility, and I've never been on national TV, but until you have that moment of credibility, it's hard to, um, you know, I guess have those people close to you who aren't really super positive. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's difficult. Like, I understand. I understand the fear. Um, a lot of it is fear. I think a lot of it seems like kind of a, a gamble pipe dream. Like, you know, I'm going to go put, you know, $20 in the slots machine and make like 2 million. Like that's pretty much what most people view, um, entrepreneurs as, as gamblers. Um, but it's all about, you know, calculated gambling, like, mm-hmm. you know, mitigating risk and researching what you're gambling on and making sure that, you know, you can solve the formula and make sure that if you put money into that formula, it's going to spit out more money. Like that's pretty much what all entrepreneurs are doing. Um, and you know, as long as that formula aligns with your vision and what you want to do with life, I think it's great. Um, whether it makes you money or not. Awesome. Yeah, well, Dimitri, thanks so much for uh, being on the show today, man. Yeah, dude. We'll stay connected to you. I think you mentioned you had an Instagram. Is, is yep. that the, we'll stay connected to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Instagram is Dimitri Love Bra. Um, if you can't remember that, you can just go find Bundle App, um, B-U-N-D-I-L-A-P-P. Um, we're on every platform, um, you know, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, um, and you can find me there as well. Awesome. And then to my listeners, thanks so much for listening. Definitely follow my man Dimitri. Uh, not even just for his Bundle 2.0 app that's coming out here in a few weeks, but also just to stay connected with a guy who is really leading the way with entrepreneurship. And uh, Dimitri, man, we're looking forward to seeing what else comes your way, man. I appreciate it, man. All right, fun. Thanks, thanks for having me.